0: Hello, and welcome to the Purim podcast. We're going to be discussing the halachos and practicalities of Purim. And we, is me, Del Foxbrenner, and...
1: Mr. Foxbrenner.
0: Okay, good. You followed your cue right. And uh, we're going to be breaking this up into three smaller, uh, bite-sized podcasts, covering three topics. Um, these are three topics we've got several questions in. So, the first one's going to be Mishlach Manos. That's this one. And stay tuned for the next two, which is going to be on the Su'udah, and the last one is going to be on the Megillah. The Megillah. Okay, so this, this first podcast is responding to questions that we received, um, asking you for your input before we record this, and uh, we're, the pattern, the, the, the flow is going to be my wife, that's Rivka, she's going to read the questions, I'll present some of the halachic background, and then she'll t- tell us what we should actually do with that.
1: Okay, so I should start with the questions about Michalak Manos?
0: Yeah, please.
1: Okay. Um, We received many questions. Um, These are three, or actually four, that we chose that seem to represent all the questions together. Okay, number one. How do you handle the nonstop influx of junk food and candy with your kids? Just when they've had some, another Michalak Manos comes with something they like even better. How do I avoid negativity surrounding this? Number two, I find the cost and the effort surrounding Mishtoch Manos to be stressful. Mm-hmm. How much am I supposed to spend? Not that much. Is the presentation element an important part of the mitzvah? No. You're not supposed to do it like that. Keep going. Number three, to whom is it most important to give Mishtoch Manos? Me. <laughs> Number four, do my kids... Need to give Mishlach Manos.
0: Okay, so we have four, four questions. The first one is about junk food. The second one is about the cost and effort that goes into Mishlach Manos. The third is about giving me Mishlach Manos. And the fourth one is Do my kids have to give Mishlach Manos? Let me give some general uh, overview of the halakhas of Mishlach Manos and you'll let, let me know when I uh, slip up as usual. Okay, so the mitzvah of Mishlach Manos comes straight from the Megillah. Megillah says, uh, we should say, Mishloach Manos Ish Person to his friend. So, Mishloach Manos is Lashem Rabbim. It's plural. That means you give two gifts to one friend. That is the mitzvah of Mishloach Manos that uh, we get to do on Purim. However, um, you can hear me turning pages. It sounds really authentic, right? Uh, the Shulchan Aruch says that um, I think it's uh, yeah. Here it is. So it's just two to one. And everybody, whoever increases to send mishloach manos to friends, that's great. I raise him He is praiseworthy. But the uh, the basic halacha is two gifts to one person, and they should be two separate two separate gifts of food, ready to eat. It does not have to be two separate brachos. Um, and uh, that's the basic uh, breakdown. So um, how, mu- how much do I have to give? So it's not really so clear how much you have to give, meaning how many gifts you have to give, that's two gifts, meaning two ready-to-eat items of food that are separate to one person. But items of food, how much food? Can it be like a Twinkie? And...
1: No, because those are
0: not in <laughs> <laughs> I mean a Winkie. <laughs> Little small fizzy candies,
1: <laughs> those are called winkies.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, can it be a winky? <laughs> You're missing the point, Mrs. Vox. Right um, so, uh, the uh, there's actually, I believe the ritva says it has to be a Shavaputa, which is a pretty small amount. I think he says it about Mishlachmanas. Um, there is a, uh, an shoka that says the minimum is not enough, meaning the minimum shear, we often ac- ac- come across in Halakha a revis of wine, which is like, a, I don't know, a viz is like three ounces, uh, or um, a kazayas, these smaller amounts of food that we usually encounter um, are not enough. That's his understanding. Rather, it should be something substantial, something you might serve a guest. Um, and you have to remember, one of the main ideas of Mishlachmanos Manos is to be marbe ava to be marbe, to increase in uh, unity, in friendship. Uh, the Gemara says, actually the Megillah says, that Haman told Achashverosh, uh, accused us as being separate, as being not together, not having unity, where we're all separate. And therefore, one of the things we do, Mishlochmanus, is we come together, we express our friendship. And therefore, you can't express your friendship with a Twinkie or a winky. <laughs> it has to be more than that. There's no exact number that I know of that says it has to be worth $2, or $1. The idea is, it should be something substantial that you would serve somebody, that they would feel good about. So, that's how much. doesn't really give us so much guidance. There's a Be'er brewer in his essays on the side of the page, called the Be'er Halakha, Um He cites an opinion that it should be commensurate with a person's social or economic standing. So... Uh, the Gemara talks about Rabbi Hudahanasi, who was known to be very, very wealthy. He sent a gift to, to another uh, Chacham, and that Chacham said, Thank you very much. With this present, you have fulfilled Matanos Leavyonim, gifts to the poor, meaning, according to the Gears of the Ritva, you fulfilled Matanos Lev meaning there's not enough, yeah, and we need a little bit more. And therefore, he sent something else. Um, it was like three jugs of wine and, uh, and, and, and some meat. And that was enough. And he said, okay, now you've fulfilled um, Mishloach Malos. And the idea, the postkim explained, is because Yudnasu is very wealthy, and therefore he should send something which is a little bit more substantial. Um, some postkim say that it depends upon the, the giver and the recipient. It should be something which is substantial for both of them. So that's basically how much it should be. And by the way, that's not... Mr. Bruges says it as a lechad meaning you sh- if you can, you should try to do it that way. It doesn't mean you're not yotza, and you have your obligation if you just send something, you know, pretty basic. So it's two basic food items to one person, and, all the, and whatever you increase is a wonderful thing. So what we do, personally, um, what we always try to do is we send one or two, a couple that are significant, like a bottle of wine and a cake, You know, that's something that's very chashev, it's very substantial. And we make sure to fulfill the mitzvah according to all opinions in the best way. And then we also have these really cute mishlach manas that we give to everybody. And they fulfill the basic halakha requirement. There are at least two. I think we have more than two um, little things. When you have little things that are combined in one basket or in one uh, wrapping, it's considered to be one. So a lot of little nuts together, even though one individual nut is like nothing. But when it's in a nice little cellophane bag, Then that becomes one. uh, That becomes one min. One of the two things that we need to Mishlach manos. So that's what we do. One substantial Mishlach manos, like really substantial, and and a whole um, army of nice little ones, cute little ones that you will see coming soon to a um, forum near you. Is that good?
1: Okay. You dealt with all the questions.
0: I don't know. Did I? Um, so that was, one question is the cost and effort surrounding manos to be stressful so the cost I hope I covered the cost doesn't have to be substantial one of them should be substantial and even that's not a terrible amount to spend and the other ones can be small uh, uh, by small I don't mean nothing I mean that I remember we always used to, in Eretz Yisrael when we lived there um, we used to get Mishloch Manos from Bakr from one boy every year it was like a can of soda and a Twizzler or something taped, taped onto it. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. And it was... like it was to the. You got it every year to the point where we didn't even have to... He didn't have to write his name, because right. we always knew it was... It was the cutest thing. I opened my door on puerto morning, going out to hear the Megillah, and I always found this, like, either, like a chips bag with a Twizzler taped onto it, or a soda bottle with, like, a chips bag taped onto it. And that was the whole thing. And even though I wouldn't call that substantial, but it was cute, and it definitely... Um, it definitely did what the mitzvah was supposed to do, which was to engender goodwill and friendship. It was cute, and it was so cute that we remember it to this day. It was also
1: commensurate with who he was. He was a buffer who wasn't giving anything substantial, and that was fine.
0: Yeah. So that's about the cost and the effort that has to go into it. Uh, you know, whatever you can do, harezim schubach, but it, you don't have to feel the pressure of it being a strict obligation to give more and more. You do the best you can within reason.
1: I'm going to deal with the questions in order and um, the first question is about the non influx of junk food etc so first it's just it's from a very 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 practical standpoint which is um, <coughs> preparation when it comes to these things is key so for example having something that your kids like and will eat for breakfast and making sure that they actually eat food in the morning makes a huge difference and um Having them do that before they get on their costumes, etc., is really worth it because once the shalof mana start flowing in, as you mentioned, then it's hard to you know stop and eat regular food. Um, the other thing that I try to do when I also do this on days like Simchas Torah, um, when there's a lot of stuff around, is to have something that doesn't need to be the healthiest thing in the world, but definitely is somewhat substantial that the children are willing to eat. So on Simchus Torah, I don't know why it ends up being these whole wheat pumpkin muffins that have become a family tradition that I make just dozens of, um, either before Rosh Hashanah or right after Rosh Hashanah, and I keep them in the freezer. And on Simchus Torah, they're round, they're sweet, but they are somewhat substantial, and my kids are willing to eat them so that when they do eat mounds of candy, they don't get sick. And I feel like they have something in their bodies, so just having them eat regular food, um, I think, should calm down the situation to a certain extent. And that leads to the second point, which is, I mean, what what's the issue? Is the issue that there's going to be some kind of actual stomach ache or behavior problem, or is it a philosophical issue? And coupled with that, I think is the constant balance between fun and function meaning we want our children to enjoy the Chav, we want our children to have a positive feeling. On the other hand, complete um, out-of-control behavior and just no structure whatsoever is not good for anyone. It's not good for our kids, and it's not good for us. Mm -hmm. So there is um, a balance between fun and function. And, um, you know, you don't want them to lose it. And on the other hand, you don't want a day that's like any other. Karma is a special day. These days are special. And with regard to that, you really have to know your own child. Meaning, um, one day is not going to change something like this. It should not be a philosophical issue. It really should be a practical issue. Because one day is not going to change your child's entire approach to food and nutrition, etc. Letting them eat too much candy is not going to have a permanent effect on them. What might have a permanent effect on them is the amount of negativity that makes them hate parm <laughs> But, as far as the actual, you know, treats, etc. go, it's not going to have a permanent effect on them. So you have to know your own child and how it affects them and plan accordingly. Um, there's no inherent wrong in eating too much candy. You need to plan in order that your child can function and that um, again, it goes back to the first point in terms of planning, having food around, making sure they eat breakfast, and something that we really try to do in our home, which changes every year, but the important part is having a plan and sticking to it. So what we have done, and again, it really depends on our kids, where, how old they are and their personalities, but we'll do something like having them pick a certain amount that they'll keep a like um over the course of the day um from what they collect. And some kind no of plan place, huh? in terms of some kind of plan in terms of how they're gonna consume it. So sometimes we'll let them just keep everything that this is given to them. And um sometimes we'll have them pick, depending on how much they get individually, like out 10 things 15 things even 20 things and that's some kind of plan which i try to work out with them together again depending on their ages so that they can have the educational experience of thinking things through and deciding what's best for them and that is a tool that they can really carry forward so we'll sit down and talk to them about it not the most serious conversation okay so we have lots mounds and mounds of candy here so what are we going to do with it they'll say we'll keep this amount and we'll have one every day we'll have two every day or if we only have this set amount and we know that's all we're gonna have so we'll plan ourselves and we'll be able to um, you know, judge ourselves how much we want to have each day because the more we eat the less we have tomorrow and those two things first of all knowing that they can have some in the future and second of all that it might be advantageous for them to eat less right now often helps a lot on Purim itself. The most important thing though, is just to relax. Um, And to remember that long-term, we want them to have a positive association with Purim. We want them to love it. And we don't want to turn into the candy witch on Purim. It's not worth it for them, and it's not worth it for you. Um,
0: Get dental insurance.
1: (laughs) See, that's silly. That's exactly the opposite of the point that I was trying
0: to make. I'm trying to bring that up. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: okay. The questions two through four I'm going to answer all together. Um, which what were are those again? About um, giving, um, well, number four was about your kids giving me Manos, which you can answer because it's a halacha question. And then I'll talk about kids and us giving Mishalach Manos and the messages behind them, which are really the same. So do kids have to give mishloach
0: No. Okay. It's chinuch like every other mitzvah. Well, kind of. Okay. Um, kids don't have to give mishloach manos. Um, as a matter of fact, there are. I, I saw this year that there are several poskim that say that there's actually no chinuch, meaning there's no um, value. I wouldn't say no value. There's no requirement to educate a child to give mishloach manos because the whole concept of chinuch, at least from a halachic perspective is that you are training a child to perform the mitzvahs as if they would when they become adults. And in this case, a person who has no none of their, their own funds actually is putter is exempt from giving shloch So there's like a little technical thing here. Since kids don't have their own funds, and they're reliant upon their parents, therefore they technically don't have a mitzvah to give shloch manas, even if they were adults. And therefore, there's no, they're not even a chinuch. Meaning, there's no um, halachic obligation to even educate children to give mishloach manos unless they have their own funds.
1: So that wouldn't apply to a child that gets an allowance and has his own money,
0: right? His or her own money. Uh, We have a lot of hers here, and uh, and right. So when I said no categorically, I didn't really mean no. I meant that uh, it depends on the child's age. So if the child has their own funds, they get like I don't know birthday gifts and or they a lemonade stand or whatever so then um, then they should be taught to give uh, but if not then there is no halachic precedent to have them just exchange uh, you know gifts that you give them
1: should they be using their own funds for that or it's fine if you buy them the stuff to give them
0: if they have yeah. their own funds then part of the chinuch is then using their own funds to get to so get manas. but it's small very small like a token you don't have to like extort money out of them. You can also give them the funds. Meaning, once they have funds, they're chayv to give. You could give it to them, right? I agree. And then, yeah, that's a very halachic way of looking at it. At the same time, it does seem to be a prevalent minhag to have kids going around and uh, and giving. The day is about giving. Uh, you know, the day is about um, not uh, um, assessing exactly the post giving. Not assessing exactly who deserves and who doesn't deserve, both in terms of mishloach manos and in terms of matanos leavyonim, which I don't think you have a specific question for, but you know the um, the mishnah Bruvah cites that the Rambam says. This is getting back a little bit to the topic of how much you're supposed to spend. I'll just quote it. I have it open here. Um, mishnah bura says, "Beemes mutav laharbos l'Avyonim, Milaharbos manos it is better to increase giving in your gifts to the poor over the amount you spend on your suda and your mishloach monos. There's no greater or wondrous or, you know, splendorous, is that a word? Mitzvah. Uh, but to, to make people who are down and out, to make them happy. And that goes, not just people who are down and out, that goes for your friends, that goes for your kids also. So, a, lot, a very important part of the day is making people happy, making uh, people who are poor or people who are either either poor um, physically, poor emotionally, uh, making other people happy. And having your kids involved in that general theme, although that's a reference to, Mishlo- to Matanas Levyonim, but in Mishloch Manas also, is a wonderful thing to do.
1: Okay, so that's exactly where I was going to go with this, which is that, um, I'll just make one other point first, which is that whether or not your children are high or Michel as my husband said, it they seems like a prevalent minhag for children to give. And I think part of treating our children with respect is recognizing the social, um, I don't know, pressure is a little too strong a word, but the social expectations that there are and allowing them to have them. Meaning even if we perceive it as silly or too much, if this is what goes on in their class and it's within the norm, it's within reason, then we should provide for them to be able to do what their friends are doing. And um, this is a great um, example of that. And if you think that it is getting out of hand, meaning you feel that your child feels too much pressure or the amount of money that you're expected to spend is too much, then it should be addressed maybe with the other mothers. But with regard to your child themselves, um, if there is a social expectation, we should try as hard as possible to allow our children to fulfill that. And um, it really gives us an opportunity maybe they might not be really required to do the mitzvah itself with regard to chinoch but we can teach them values that go along with it. And these are really the same values that we should have with regard to mishpo'ah manos Um, but with regard to our children I'll be more specific first and then maybe get to us which is that we can teach our children, you know, we're giving Mishalach Manos and um, remind them that there are certain values that they can take into account, like not excluding other people, like thinking to themselves, who really could use this Mishra Manos either because, you know, they feel like they need a friend or for the child themselves, if the purpose of the mitzvah is to create, Ava, and Reus, is to create that feeling of friendship and love, um, who can I create that friendship with and that love with that I don't, that I, that I haven't already? Meaning, is there, can I reach beyond my normal limits or who I would normally think to give me shalohmanos to, and give it to someone that I wouldn't normally think to give it to? Um, another thing that we can teach our children, which is close to something that you mentioned, is um giving people according to their status and giving people um, with regard to hakara Um for us we don't have a lot of time on purim and the only people that we deliver mishalachmanos to are our children's teachers and rabbeim because we would like to inculcate in our children that value and purim really has that value built in one of the main um, themes of purim although there are many is emunah's um, is reverence and respect for um, Torah scholars. And because of that, we really stress on parim giving mishloach manos to those people. The very few kind of big mishloach manos that we give, we bring our children along with us and we make a big deal out of it to give them specifically to Torah scholars. And we encourage them to give both to their secular and to their... Um, and to their Judaic teachers and Rebbein, that is who they give their Mishalach to. And that really inculcates them, within them, that value and that perspective of, when I am giving, who am I giving to? And what do I value? And where is this going? And as my husband mentioned, it's very important to give to people according to their status. And that's why when our children give, Um, I make sure that that they give to their teacher, it shouldn't just be a token. It doesn't have to be fancy. But for the child, the child should feel like I am giving something important. Because if they feel like they're giving something important, they attach importance to the person that they're giving it to. And I think that's something that we should take along for us as well. That when we're giving Mishalach Manos, we should think to ourselves, who are the people in our lives that again, going back to the beginning that may need um, a little love and affection and connection and who are the people in our lives? can I reach out of my Damos as we say of the of the space that I usually inhabit, the people who I usually talk to, the people who I usually interact with, maybe reach out and create that feeling of love and connection to other people? Can I think of who might, um, who might feel excluded if I don't give them and have them in mind? And again, who do I have appreciation for? or who do I have respect for? And how can I, again, within financial norms, it's not about spending a lot of money, It's not about giving crazy presentation. But who can I show respect and admiration for? In
0: so would you say you should definitely you should specifically not give your closer friends?
1: No, you you can give them also. Again, it's about not excluding plus pushing outward. So it doesn't have to be everyone you know. And you can give your closer friends. But also, you should be giving at least to one or two people that are beyond the people that you speak to on a regular basis.
0: Okay. Are we good? Yes. Should I press stop? Yes. Okay. Okay. We'll see you in the next recording.